Welcome to the Remarkability Institute podcast, turning the art of communication into the science of remarkable results. BART is committed to giving 1 million people their voice. BART is committed to giving you your voice. It's time for you to stand up, step out, and speak up. With more than 30 years experience helping people develop their communication skills, build their confidence, and find their voice, here's your host, Bart Queen. Hey guys, it is so great to be with you and I'm so excited for you to meet our guest today. Now you all know that I love to share quotes and when I think about this young woman, there are two quotes that definitely come to my mind. The first one is this, if you believe in yourself and you believe in your mission, people will believe in you and your mission and they will follow you. And the second quote is, if one someone, one someone believes in you, you cannot fail. Both of those quotes really just highlight who Kara is and what Kara is all about and what she does with the young people that she mentors and leads and works with at Virginia Tech. I met Kara several years ago when I was working for a client in the Outer Banks of North Carolina. And since then, she and I have walked a similar path. We've grown together. We've experienced the ups and downs that life has brought us. So it is with great joy and an absolute treat to have her with us today. If there's one thing that Kara and I have in common, it's the fact that we believe our youth are our future. We would also believe that our youth are our future voice and that our youth are our future change. So as we spend our short amount of time together, what I'd like you to do is begin to see as share as Kara shares how an inner confidence in these young people changed the complete trajectory of where their lives have come. I want you to begin to see how when they found their voice and they exercised their voice, They were on the right path, they were on the right direction, and they were able to lead change. Kara and I came to know each other as a result of an initiative that I took in 2008 in reaching out to an organization in Kenya. Now, many of you may have heard this story. There was a woman in my class who said that her parents owned an orphanage. And I said, if you find any value, I'm happy to come to that orphanage. Now, that was in 2008. I had the privilege and the honor of working with 60 young people, 60 young people in an orphanage, most of them with only one set of clothes, very few of them with any shoes, and they got one meal a day. But at the end of that experience, I saw lives transformed because they gained an inner confidence, not because of anything that I necessarily did, but because they began to believe in themselves. And there were people who reinforced that idea that they were worth something. Kara, I am so excited to have you with us today, to be a part of our guest, and for you to share your story. Welcome, welcome. Thanks, Bart. I'm excited to be here and excited to be talking to you as always. 
It's always a pleasure. So Kara, now I know you're known at work as the boss lady, but could you tell us a little bit about what your title is? Outside of the boss lady, of course. Outside of the boss lady. That's at home and personally and and professionally, I should note. (laughs) Well, we need need to get your husband on here then because we need to probably talk about that. Conveniently, he is working on a sidewalk for his grandparents. I know. So, but we'll loop him in. Okay, that's my fault. <laughs> I'm an academic advisor at an institution, a higher education institution. So, I do a lot of coaching and mentoring. That means that I usually the the bread and butter of what I do is plans of study. If you think about an academic advisor, the reality of what I do is really the coaching and mentoring and leading and guiding portion of my job. So I fell into academic advising in a bit of an unconventional way. Originally, I wanted to be a wedding planner. There's a long strain of events that happen between wedding planning and academic advising, but have always had a passion for helping and mentoring and um, guiding people. Tell us just a little bit more about on this path that you just shared. What was the catalyst that made you say, yes, I'm going to go take this job as an academic advisor? I think it was just the common thread for me. And this is something I share with my students really often. There's going to be a common thread in the things that you're attracted to, the things that you enjoy doing. And for me, that common thread that central pillar has always been people and helping people. And what I found through the different organizations that I've worked for between event planning, lodging, hotels, and property management, and now higher education is just a passion for helping people and mentoring specifically people and students in the high school and college age range. I have been fortunate enough for that to be something that's a part of my job, but not my central role in most of my positions. And I just have been so drawn to it. And one day I just said, I think I ought to change my job. And so I did. I was really set on being an academic advisor with no experience whatsoever in in doing it. And to God be the glory, it worked out. Now tell me, how long have you been doing that now? Since October of 2016, so four years. Well, congratulations. Thank you. Now share a little bit about when you first got started, what were the challenges that you faced? And then if you wouldn't mind, share, of course, as a result of COVID and our pandemic situation, what are the challenges that you're now facing with the students? So at first in my role, one of the most challenging parts was not understanding higher education as an organization. So if you've ever looked at a higher education website or worked in that industry, There's a lot of people with similar titles. I often tell my students, you have to, there's a lot of people with the title of Dean and it means something in higher education, but to students, it it doesn't. And so I was in this position where I'm trying to figure out who is the Dean of what and what that means. And that's just a small example, but while they're also figuring it out. So I think that was one of the biggest challenges in transitioning from industry to higher education for me. 
all of the other stuff was transferable. If you're just the emotional intelligence, compassion, care, and concern for other people, uh, being able to say, I don't know, but I'll figure it out or we'll figure it out together. That has been pretty much my motto or something that I think I say every day, but I don't know, but we'll figure it out. Let's figure it out. And then in the days of COVID, the challenge is being physically distant from them. So we were really intentional to create an office space. I have a wonderful team that's just they're wonderful to work with and have such great ideas and they're welcoming. They make you feel at home. And we wanted our students to feel at home in our office. So we had a coffee bar and little snacks. We always made sure some things like gummies, granola bars, because often they're coming to meetings for these really short time periods and they haven't eaten and they need that fuel to be successful in their classes and to get through even just a meeting with me, it helps. So what ends up happening is they come by just to get coffee and snacks and say hi, which is totally fine with us. We love seeing them and love the love the daily interruptions. So while COVID days feel a little bit more productive in terms of getting projects done, the distance and isolation from the students makes it really hard to connect with them and to understand what their needs are right now. We've been doing Zoom, so we've been able to see them that way, like most people, video conferencing in various formats, sometimes phone calls. But th I think that's the most challenging. That's the most challenging part of COVID so far. You said a key word in there, and that was that idea of connecting with the students and being able to have a conversation with them. So share with me just a little bit prior to us coming in and working with them on some of the communication skills, just from a communication perspective, you saw them, you were working with them, and you said, here's some challenges we need to overcome. Can you maybe articulate the three or four things that you saw initially as issues or challenges or opportunities where they could get better? Absolutely. So I advise in the STEM field, and so that, but my background is in business, and my experience also at the same institution was very different than what I was seeing with our STEM students and that what the focus of their education and curriculum was. I had a lot of preparation for job interviews, career fairs, the elevator pitches, selling yourself. That that was constant in all of my classes and it was absent from my students' classes in STEM. So often what I was seeing was we would get to junior, senior year and they weren't able to articulate what they wanted to do. They weren't able to have a conversation about how valuable they were to employers. They have incredibly unique degrees that they couldn't get. Some are, it's the only place in the United States of America that you can get the degree that they're getting. And still yet they were struggling to have that promotional, this is why you need me kind of conversation with an employer. So we saw that. And then a lack of confidence, some not necessarily extroverted versus introverted, but just really a lack of confidence in their ability. So they didn't feel like they had anything to bring to the table. I would hear, I'm not this. I know I'm not an engineer. I know I'm not a business student. And it would start off from this point of taking a few steps back on, here's what I don't bring to the table instead of saying, here's what I do bring to the table. 
And so when I, we got to a point where I was, I helped to advise and lead a team of what we call ambassadors. So they do a lot of recruiting work for us. And that meant a lot more one-on-one time outside of just planning their classes. And they got to tell me some of the struggles and that was, that came out overt, overtly in conversations that came out in that, in those with them. So I think that's a background where we saw, we really, you need your voice. We want you to have confidence. You have so much to bring to the table. You just don't know how wonderful you are. It's interesting to me and all the people that I've worked with, that's a common factor for a lot of folks. You can ask anyone, what's the number one reason why I hire you? And typically you get somebody to go, well, and they can't come back with an answer. I can even ask a lot of major executives in business, what are the top three benefits your organization brings? What's your unique differentiator? And people struggle just with those simple sound bites of being able to come back and say something clearly and concisely. Yeah, absolutely. And then we see that with our students too. Now, tell me a little bit about the process on how, how we ended up getting there together. Because if I remember correctly, we had to work at it. And I remember many a funny discussion about having to deal with homecoming. That was a big issue of trying to overcome on the schedule. <laughs> yes, yes, that was homecoming weekend, I think. I think or... we had to start class at like noon just to give them time to wake up from the night before, if I remember correctly. Yes, there was a Friday night game. There may have been some tailgating and other fun things happening the night before. So we did the we did a two day workshop, which was a little bit shorter than you would have liked. I remember those conversations. It was a lot of pull and tug of I need more time. And with the students, they're like they wanted more time to do other things. So it was uh, but a meeting of the minds was the two day two day experience. We had to work around the the students were they it's a big culture in a lot of institutions and particularly ours to attend football games and be there with your friends and have a good time. And there was a night game the night before. So we started, I think you wouldn't budge. You said noon. It might have felt like noon to you. It was nine AM. No, <laughs> it was noon. Not. We started at noon. No, we did not. Really? No, we did not. No, it felt like noon to you because you said 8.30, we got to start, or 8 o'clock, we got to start. And I was like, oh, no, they won't. It Maybe I'll give you 10 a.m. at best. It was definitely not noon because you were like, Kara, I can't deliver what you're asking me to deliver in the time, so make it happen. So they did. I put my mama bear hat on, and I said, you're going to be there. I will bring coffee. I will bring Chick-fil-A. Show up with your game face on, be ready. So they did. If I remember correctly though, when we ended, they were like, no, you have to stay longer. It was, yeah, they didn't want me to leave then. Yes, so when I told them, I said, it's very hard to summarize what you do in a way that really tells it in its fullness and in all its glory. So when you, in a concise way, you say in a group text, guys, I need you to be here. We're doing communications training. You can imagine the excitement I got from my, my students saying, 
communications training. Why? I don't need that. I talk to people all the time, you know, or I'm not comfortable with that. Who am I going to be talking to? And I was like, you talk to me all the time. I will be there. Just look at me. You'll be fine. So yeah, when you sell it to them, communications training, they were like, oh, but because I, we had built that trust and that's part of an advising relationship is we had built that trust. I said, just trust me. You will not regret it. You will love it. And by the end of it, they, I think they spent the entire week after your training in my office talking about your training or practicing your training. They were over the moon. That, excited from what they received. That's awesome. I know for the two days that I was there, it was absolutely joyous from the beginning to the end. And they didn't seem like they were in too bad a shape when we started at nine or 10 or whatever it was. Remember, mama bear cap, put mm -hmm. your game face on. May have even had a finger wag in there. <laughs> yeah, well, share a little bit. Give us a couple of examples of a couple students, if you could, on the before and after of the process. Sure. So one student comes to mind. I'm not sure if I should use their names or give them. You can give them any name you want. It's fine. We'll call her Susie. Okay. <laughs> so Susie, before the the training was exceptionally and is generally a pretty introverted person she's always been very eager very diligent very organized student very strong communicator written communicator thinking on the fly may have been more challenging in in some cases and so before the training we would have options for students to say you're going to be public speaking, the dreaded words, public speaking. You're going to be speaking to these families. And you would notice that certain members of the group would shy away from that. And other members would just be all in. Yes, put me in front of a bunch of people. I'm ready to speak. I have things to say. And that was not Susie. She was not somebody who would just be like, yes, put me in front of a bunch of people. I have a lot to say. And wasn't nearly as confident in what she had to say. After the training, and this was the most incredible thing, it was probably three weeks after, not once, maybe even two or three times, I'm trying to remember how many times they did this presentation in, in over the course of a weekend event that we had, Susie got up in front of 100 to 150 prospective students and their families and articulated in a matter of five minutes, this incredibly powerful delivery of what her major was, what, why she loved it. And she just knocked it out of the park. You would never have thought that she was at all an introverted person, the way that she just, she spoke confidently in Bart's words, no ums or ahs. It was incredible. I had to video all of them. And then they didn't look at me because I was in the back with my phone videoing them like a proud mom at a ballet recital. It was like that. On the flip side of that, I, like I said, I had, uh, we have other people who are on the opposite end of the spectrum. Yes, I want to talk, put me in front of people. I got a lot to say. And they get up there and they really stumble over their words, aren't really sure where they're going. The audience isn't really tracking them, but they're excited. They're, really engaged. 
And this particular student, she had also a transition, but it was a transition from being my, being herself, being incredibly extroverted, incredibly excited. But she started with, she's very articulate. She was able to maintain their attention from start to finish. It was clear where she was going, what she was saying. She actually started to engage with the audience in a meaningful way that helped them to help to pull them in. And so after that event, we had a lot of people who were interested in their programs. And it, again, we're talking, they had max five minutes to deliver a powerful message. And they did just that after the training. Winston Churchill once said that the shortest speeches are always the toughest speeches because every single word counts. So in those five minute marks, it's rather tough. Now, if I remember correctly with your particular group, we spent a fair amount of time on just what I would term the power skills, everything from their posture, just how they carried themselves to this idea of their eye contact and their connecting with folks, short to a medium type sentence. So they're getting a sound bite and then their ability to pause and get rid of their ums and ahs. If I remember correctly, we definitely saw a before and an after with each one of these students. To whatever degree each student embraced those ideas. Oh, yeah, absolutely. What do you feel like was, of the skills we shared with them, the one that made the biggest difference for them? From an overall perspective with the group. That one's a hard one to answer because I think they're all very unique and what they needed and what they took from it as maybe their number one. Let me ask a different question then, Kara. <clears throat> you mentioned this idea of what each one of them took. Talk a little bit about what you felt like their coaching experience was when each one was up there and we individually worked with them as a unique person? They knew who they were getting up in front of. The class was small. I think we maybe had about eight people. So the class wasn't super big, but still when they got up there, they really exhibited things that they do on a daily basis when they're nervous, when they're just not sure, when they're in a classroom setting or otherwise. You consistently just took the time just really and care and concern for each individual student. You remember one of them, we called his praying hands. <laughs> you spent so much time with him on that. And of course it ended up being this big joke afterwards and still probably to this day, if he listens to this podcast, he's gonna crack up laughing. And <laughs> but you took the time and you would encourage him in the process and encourage the class members to encourage him in the process, which I think helped to build that confidence. And the same was true with the other students who maybe they had their particular posture that they would lean to that was really distracting for an audience. And you were diligent to, again, just say, there it is again, let's go back, let's start over. And it's that, wait, what you said, earlier, just taking the time with each individual one. And that's an extensive process for that many students. It was not a short amount of time that you spent with each of them. So I think they were able to catch the moments, not just curbing a behavior, but 
catching what is making me do that. What's happening when I'm doing that? What's happening when I'm going, doing something weird with my hands or my posture or my eye contact. And then they were able to address that. And so it was, I think even a step further, it wasn't just correction of behavior. I think if that, hopefully that answers your question. It it does. And I think with each one of the students, it's, and you described this well, it's identifying what that issue or that distraction might be for that young man that you mentioned, it was his praying hands and, (laughs) and how he always wanted to go to that. So identifying that, then the second piece was making him aware that he was actually doing it. And then it was getting him to break that habit where he had muscle memory in order to change that particular behavior. It, It is always so incredible to me to see the transformation that the skill sets make. For some of the students, it's a huge transformation. And for others, it's small, little, unique things that continue to set them out apart from everybody else. So as we work with the students, we're always talking about building their command presence, making them come across as strong, confident, and the idea of getting rid of what we call distractions, things that will take away from their message. So in any class, we've got that before and after effect where people can see a real difference. I think that's one of the things that this skill set uniquely does, no matter who takes it on to embrace it. That's exactly right. Building trust, building relationship, and building engagement are the three cornerstones to effective communication. The challenge is that being effective in all three of these areas takes work. The question becomes, how do you build the skills to confidently engage and connect with your audience to have a conversation? If you know that you want to build on these skills, investigate the ultimate strategic speaking system three-day boot camp we offer as in-classroom training or as a virtual instructor-led training. Learn more at BartQueen.com. I think about another example after the fact. One of them was applying to medical school, and that process is very grueling for anyone who's ever been through it, known anyone who's been through it. It's lengthy. It's grueling. It doesn't produce the same return for the amount of work that you put into it, right? In terms of interviews or acceptances, there's, it's, it dwindles down from their applications to their acceptances. And so one of those students applied to medical school and had what we would call a practice interview. And you have to even go through an extensive process to even be accepted into that practice interview process. And she was, and I got an email almost as soon as she left, I was a part of the committee who we administered the practice interviews. And so this person who did her interview, I didn't personally do it. Of course, that'd be a conflict of interest. It wouldn't help her practice her interview skills. We would probably just, you know, have a conversation like you and I, and it wouldn't help, but someone else did. And almost immediately after her interview, this person reached out to me and said, wow, a knockout student. Like I have never heard these words from that office, but specifically said, she is a shoe in. She will knock it out of the park. I had no concerns whatsoever with her. And again, like many students, she had prepared up until that point, as far as doing all the right things, the volunteering, the shadowing, the 
the working, the research, the obviously the grades, those things are all tangible things that we provide a lot of coaching on in higher education. But the the interview skills, the the communication skills, the ability to really speak about your value, we don't have that nearly as much as we should, if at all. And so for her for to to get that email very shortly after her training was also just a really sweet affirmation that it was the results really speak for themselves. A shoe in. I've never heard that. <laughs> now, did she go on to medical school? She sure did. Awesome. She sure did. Yep. She's in medical school now. I texted her today asking her a medical school question. <laughs> well, please, if you speak to her again, let her know that I send my congratulations to her. That's awesome. Yes, I will. Awesome. Is there anything else from a result perspective that you feel like would help our listeners today realize of what the power of the skills can bring to the, bring to the table for them individually? I think it brings out what is already inside of these young people. You're not producing something that isn't already there. You're having to pull it out, sometimes pull it out harder than others. And it's a little bit more of a struggle, but in some cases, I'm sure. But I think just the ability to maximize your potential and whether that's, whether that's in education, whether that's in ministry, whether that's just in your relationships, just generally, gosh, this is a generation where we do a lot of, and even more so now we're doing so much of the virtual world. We're on Instagram, we're on Facebook, we're on Snapchat and we're like Googling how to, what interview questions are they going to ask me? I think the skill set that these students get and that they will get from this, you can't Google that. You can't Google that. And you really, it's not something that you can just get this quick answer to. It's not a quick answer. And I, that is, is a little off-putting to some, right? When I said two or three-day training, you, you should have seen my students' faces. Why do I have to be in training for two or three days? But again, at the end of it, they couldn't get enough. And so I think just the bringing out what is already in these students, the potential that is already there, just maximizing your potential, coming to your fullest potential, and, and also, again, something we talked about, the confidence. And I think even now when we look at, I don't want to get too much on my soapbox, but the days of Instagram and Facebook and all of these different social media platforms are the days of, I would say, comparison. I'm not good enough. I'm not them. I, again, going back to what my students say, I know I'm not this type of student. I know I'm not this, but it's saying, here's who I am. And here's why that's valuable. Here's why that's meaningful. Here's why that's exciting. And here's why that matters to who I'm talking to and in the message that I'm communicating. And I think it can take you away from some of that comparison mindset of, I'm just not enough. I'm not enough. And you are, you're more than enough. And I think that is a reassuring thing that our students experience from the training. Well, you really brought us full circle to how I opened today when I said, if one, someone believes in you, you cannot fail. And for that particular class, they had, you're that one, someone who believed they couldn't fail. And I just got to be, in essence, your wingman and come alongside and add to that, which was absolutely joyous. 
and you also bring to the table, you believe in them. And then because they believe in, begin to believe in themselves, they believe in what they can do. And when they believe in what they can do, there's nothing that can stop them. And we get our future put back into the hands of the people that it should be in. Yeah, absolutely. And I think you brought up one thing that I would argue if I, if in every advising profession, you have an advising philosophy is what it's called. And gosh, that is such a hard question to answer. How do you, what's your advising philosophy? And somebody asked me that and I mulled and mulled over that question. And finally I landed on just give them a place to belong. And right between the things that I've talked about between the snacks, the coffee, having a rocking chair in my office, having a place for them. And even though the classroom setting wasn't something, it wasn't like your office or your home, I think your training gave them a place to belong. And that was something that obviously we do in, in our team as advisors, but something that they really experienced from you too. So they were like, okay, he's, he can be in my inner circle. I can be, I can share these things that I really struggle with this particular thing about communicating. And so you really gave them a place to belong and they flourished in that, which was a blessing. Kara, I think it's the opposite. I don't think I gave them a place to belong. I think they gave me a place to belong. Mm-hmm. And I, I see that every day in my office from the gift that you sent me this big, beautiful piece of steel that says that iron sharpens iron and so does one person another. And I definitely gleaned probably more from the students and the time I spent with you than you spent with me. It was an absolute pleasure. Thank you for that opportunity. And I look forward to coming back in the springtime. We can't wait. We're excited. We've really hyped it up too. So this next group, they're going to be, they're going to be really excited to meet you and go through it too. Oh, don't set me up for failure now. They're hearing the chatter from the previous group because, again, same group, I'm saying communication string. They go, oh, I don't want to. So I I loop in the, we'll call them alum. And I say, tell me why you think they should do this. And they just go on and on. It's going to be the best. You're going to love it. Bart's great. And you're going to, you're going to feel so confident and you're going to just really flourish after they They've gone on and on. So nobody's setting you up for failure. We're just setting the stage for exactly where it will be. I'm sure you'll see their expectations. That sounds awesome. <laughs> so guys, I want to come back to what where I started. And that was that our youth are our future and that their voice counts. And we need to be able to build their voice and build their confidence. So as you've listened today, if this has resonated with you, if you by chance have a Boy Scout group, a Girl Scout group, a 4-H group, a youth ministry group, a group at your church, a group at your school, wherever you've got a group of young people, if you feel like this would be of any value for us to bring, we would be, I would be happy to bring it to you and serve your group of young people. If that so strikes your interest, all you need to do is send an email to my assistant, Deborah. Her email address is debr at bartqueen.com, debr at bartqueen.com. She'll set up an interview so we can chit-chat a little bit, find out about what your needs are, and then we can facilitate coming to your town or to your school. When we give our young people their voice, we put the future in the right hands, we put the voice in the right place, and we create an opportunity to create the right results. 
Kara, thank you so much. It has been an absolute pleasure. I can't wait to see you. Congratulations on this new one that's coming in February. Our heart and our prayers are with you. And I so look forward to being able to call you mom for the first time. We can't wait. Thank you so much for having me on today. This was such a gift. It feels like a way better version than any Zoom call I've been on for the last seven months. So this was awesome. Thank you. We'll definitely have you back. Okay. Thanks, Bart. Give our best to Wesley. I will. Thank you. All right, guys. Thank. We'll see you next week. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Remarkability Institute with Bart Queen. Make your voice count today. Stand up, step out, and speak up. Your voice counts. Visit BartQueen.com for show notes and other resources to help you turn the art of communications into the science of remarkable results.